This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is the 3D Pod, and I'm Joris Peels, and I'm here today with Maxwell Bogue. Hey, everyone. And uh, today we're going to discuss a very hot topic uh, that a lot of people are very interested in this topic, and that is 3D printing in education. And we're going to talk a little bit about, okay, what does it mean for education? How would one implement it? And uh, we're going to look at a little bit about uh, our differing views uh, in, in using 3D printing in education and the usefulness of uh, using this in education. So, Max, uh, yeah, do you think that uh, 3D printing has a role to play in education? I think it has a role, but I, I think it's been over-exaggerated as to where it should be placed and when it should be placed. Uh, how about yourself, George? Well, I, yeah, I think I think as well. I mean, I'd like it to be as popular as the hype, and something in me still wants you know this to be kind of a technology that kids turn to, right? And and and, and that kids turn to to learn how to fail faster. I think the, the idea of being able to fail faster by making iterations of things and making another pair of earrings and then a new one and a new one and, and, and learning that it's not all about the test or the grade. It's just about improving yourself. I think that, you know, to me, is a really core life skill that you can learn from using 3D printing in education. So that I'm really positive about. And I'm really positive about like you know holding an idea in your hands, whether it's like a depth map of a battle or a working combustion engine or whatever. You know, Those things I'm really positive about. I just don't see it like as a wholesale thing that all educators should do all the time in all situations. So I do, yeah, optimistic, but then with reservations. What are your reservations about using this? Well, I, I think oftentimes uh, I see 3D printers in environments that just doesn't make sense. For example, uh, like elementary school. Uh, I think that they're too young, honestly, to be screwing around with 3D printers at this point and that they should be more focused on hands-on physical activities. Uh, rather than isolating away to one printer, mainly because of the cost of the printer and the time it takes for a printer to currently print. Only one student or one group of students can use the printer at any given time. And a vast majority of them aren't making 3D files as much as going to Thingiverse, downloading something, and then clicking the print button. And I don't feel like there's much learning going on under those circumstances, which tend to be the majority of circumstances in the middle and high end elementary school level on high school. I think it starts to make a lot more sense in terms mm -hmm. of what kids are doing and the level of precision that's needed by students and so forth and so on. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting that you say that you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't want to use it in an elementary scenario. I understand it to me. There's also risks like, you know, the, some uh, polymers give off fumes that are not so good. I think they should all be under a fume hood. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, apart from that, I'd like to see them be used in like elementary school, uh, if it is you know safe uh, with the fume hoods and stuff. And, I mean, and then so one is that they're they're not fast enough. But imagine you had like twenty printers in a class, then then surely it would be okay, right? Or not? Or I, I still see? don't think it's. Uh, I mean, well, twenty printers in a classroom—that's a lot of expenditure. Uh, yeah. It's also that they're not. I mean, let's be realistic here. That trying to get twenty printers to print at the same time being operated by students is just not going to happen. <laughs> and then throw in the elementary side of them and you're really not going to happen and have a successful time. And also, you know, there are more and more studies coming out about the amount of time certain younger kids are spending on screens and how it's not effective. You know, learning how to build Legos 
on a, a tablet doesn't translate to learning how to build Legos in the real world if you're an elementary student. Those skills don't translate yet because your mind can't put the elements together yet in that fashion. So there, there's that as well, that you're spending this time you know, creating an object. Let's pretend that you can actually create the object using some form of software, which is quite difficult, and that's a whole other topic. Then going and printing the object isn't going to help you figure out how to physically build that object if you didn't have a printer, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think that on the elementary school level and the middle school level that you really need to be more focused on if you want to do something that causes like physical learning or alternative learning styles, you need to be doing something physical. Uh, personally, I, if you want to do something, you could use the 3Doodler Start or the 3Doodler Create Plus to draw things physically and then put them together and that'll help to give a larger understanding. You could just as easily use cardboard and a hot glue gun um, as an alternative, but the point being is that you're physically doing something rather than doing it on the computer. Okay, so, but just for the record, I mean, you're not just trying to sell 3D printing pens here. You no, would really think. Not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if, uh, if, I was a, if I'm a class, and yeah, they are cash constrained, and I would say, okay, I'm going to give uh, $2,000 on a printer on elementary school, you would recommend them, if, okay, imagine the, the 3D printing pens don't exist, you would recommend they get a bunch of glue and cardboard and post its or something to do with the physical activity. Yeah. Okay, I think yeah, yeah, I mean, just because it's like you can you can see a video of how you can see a video of how a three D printer works. Watching a three D printer doesn't really convey that much, whereas physically doing something can help a student understand how to break elements down into flat surfaces and then reconstruct those surfaces. You know, you take a cube and you unfold it, and you get mm-hmm. a six sided object on a flat mm-hmm. surface. And then you can yep. refold it back in. You, you can apply that to almost anything to understand the basics behind how objects are constructed and made and what mm-hmm. the shapes mean and so forth and so on. Yeah, I think that's what SolidWorks is doing with their apps for kids thing. They have a thing as well where you, you print out a cube of a thing uh, before printing it. I think that's also a really interesting approach. Yeah, but- no, I'm, I'm all for skipping a lot of the iterate. I mean, failing is great. Especially, you know, 3D printers, when I first got them, I was doing the same thing where you print something and then you realize that you forgot something or there's something wrong and then you go back and you print it again and then you print it again and you print it again, each time making an improvement or finding a solution to something that went wrong. But at the same time, in a classroom environment, that's not realistic. Like, that's a lot of time and effort that you've now used up on this machine, which is moving relatively slow in comparison to everything else. Whereas if you, you know, use a 3D pen or you use a glue gun or whatever, you can at least construct the object beforehand to skip that iterative step on the printer. So you could make a design a file in 3D and then print out all its sides and then fill it in or cut it out of the paper or do whatever you want to do or doodle it and then join all those pieces together and then have an idea of what it's going to look like. It's not going to be perfect by any means, but at least you can then see really instantly, I forgot a screw hole. Oh, there's no mounting bracket. These two pieces won't join together um, before you go to the printer. So you still have the fail element, but you'll reduce the number of times that you have to go to the printer because it's costly, both in time and in resources from a school perspective. Oh, I I think that's an interesting point. I mean, everybody's just saying like 3D printing for education is the future and just, you know, 
not really thinking that through and thinking about if it's the best for the student. It's just like, oh, I happen to sell 3D printer, so let's go for it. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, I so, love this idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone should have one. Uh, but so I, I like that. I mean, I think one of the valuable elements to me is for kinesthetic learners. Um, they can, like, for example, learn, you know, from or experiential learners as well. They can both learn from the object. I think there's a lot of value in there as well for, you know, understanding like complex 3D subjects, also for elementary school kids. But I do think that it does resonate with me that it does take too long and that the printers will, won't work a lot. And, you know, it is, it, I've given workshops to kids and it's, uh, you know, the, the, the one critical failure element there is the printer, right? Right. Uh, one thing I really liked is the idea of getting kids to understand why math exists, you know, and through the software and the printer, you kind of see them kind of understand that math is the language to talk to the world. You know, that's why all the Coke cans are all the same size. And by changing the file, you change the, the toolpath and then the, 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 the object as well. Yeah, and the fun stuff you can do with like G-Code. I mean, there's that, that heart, the gear heart. Have mm -hmm. you ever seen that? It's yeah. a great, uh, it's a great file that is all generated by code and math. Mm -hmm. And so if you can... You can teach them that it's it's fabulous. One of the other things I would like to also point out on 3D printers, especially in middle and elementary school, is they tend to widen the gender barrier in STEM education because they're really? perceived yeah because they're perceived as a technology, and it can be intimidating for certain students, and mm -hmm. especially in the United States because we have gender bias in our educational system as a biased girls tend to be less into the technology because of pre-existing bias in the system, not because that they're bad at technology. And as a result, they're less enthusiastic to participate in general. Obviously, you know, there are individuals that are very enthusiastic, but without introducing it in a more comprehensive way or a way that makes it less intimidating and less technology focused, uh, it will increase the, the gap between uh, male and female gender bias in STEM education. That's really interesting. I did not know that actually. And and why is that? Because it's perceived as like a guy thing, or because it's perceived. Yeah, it's got this notion that it's technology is like a male thing, and, and only men can do it, which is obviously a load. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it's a bias that exists in the system. It really starts showing up very hardcore in the middle school age range, uh, but it does mm -hmm. exist in the elementary. It's actually one of the things that we found at Three Doodler when we introduced the pens is that. Um, Female students tend to see it as a crafting activity. Male students tend to see it as a uh, technology activity because it's related to 3D printing. And it doesn't matter that it's both of them see it as something that they can relate to. Um, whereas when you put a 3D printer and software and so forth in front of uh, certain students, they're not going to be as easily related or excited by it because they don't necessarily see it as something that they're interested in. And that would not be really great news because so far when, when educators and stuff and also technology companies and try to engage women through technology, it's like, let's make a pink 3D printer, you know? Right. And so, <laughs> that so is a prime really... example. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's pink. And yeah, we, we've got ponies all over it. Right. Yeah, now it's for women. So they're, they're, we're not exactly very successful in engaging that group as well in a, yeah, in a very direct and very uh, useful way. So that's a bit worrying. How about like if you if we move it into like kind of high school? Do you, do you see then the printer making a lot more sense? I see the printer making a lot more sense on the high school level. I, I think high school and college is when you're doing projects where you do need precision. But I still think that you should be making a physical mock-up before going to the printer. 
to help reduce your iteration steps on the printer. And then, and do you see it like having something in like some kind of technology class or math or what kind of subject areas do you see it like kind of? You can apply it to every subject. I think it's it can be used effectively in every subject, assuming that it helps to engage children, which is the mm-hmm. real purpose behind all of this. If it's not engaging the students, then why why are you doing it? Like, if if a group project in a history class is designing a temple, and then printing the temple out or making the temple, then that's a great way to engage students. And then different students can be assigned to different sections of the temple, and then they have to combine all their designs together. So it creates a larger commutative experience as a result. So the, I think it, it can work, but it also depends on the school, the resources that, are, resources that are available, and the teachers, because the teachers have to actually understand this technology to be able to teach it. And it's not, not always apparent for a, a lot of teachers how this is applicable to their subject. Yeah, also, I think, I don't know if, if we need them to be experts. I mean, it would be no. uh, up to yeah, us in making this technology to make it accessible enough. And I think at the moment now, I think a lot of teachers would be hard-pressed to, if they're not 3D printing enthusiasts, to take care of the printer and make sure it always prints and all that. And we're only getting now that we're seeing the nozzles that are easier to remove, awesome block kind of scenarios and things. You know, before, you know, if you're not a block nozzle, yeah, good luck for 15 minutes or something to, to repair that, you know? Yeah. You know, the printers need to get friendlier as well because you know, we can't expect every teacher to be an expert or to, to devote a lot of time in learning how to deal with these things. I do like the idea of like working on group projects and working it together and especially using it like things like history. I love the idea of using 3D printed depth maps. Because uh, I really think you can understand a lot of battles and a lot of goings on uh, through objects like that. Uh, I, I think it should be required in high school almost to get people to make physical things uh, using code. You know that kind of link into the the modern world I think is absolutely essential. That's the world these kids are going to work in. Uh, if they're not even if they're going to be engineers, but but everything is going to be governed by you know code interacting with the physical universe. That is going to be the big thing for the next 50, 60 years. Yeah, no, I, that's very fair. And I, it also speaks though to one of the other great limitations currently is software and mm-hmm. the ability to communicate with the printer to conceive up an idea and come up with it. You know, there are great softwares out there. There's Tinkercad and some other stuff that try to simplify the the process of making a physical object in a virtual environment, but you're still, it's very cumbersome still. And until there's a great breakthrough in the ability to manipulate three-dimensional objects on a 2D screen, uh, we're gonna we're gonna still be limited by the ability to to generate or for students to generate stuff without years of practice and experience in CAD. I think that's, that's very fair. I think it's too difficult to, to, to understand and to use. I've given workshops for 10-year-olds, right, with Tinkercad and stuff. Uh, so, so it does work. And you can teach them that in a couple of hours to, to make certain objects, not everything. So I do think, you know, there's a role there. But, it, yeah, the, clearly the software and the entire tool chain, right, so not to, to the G-code and beyond, is just too difficult, I think. And, I, and I, we need to be in a pay, place where I could be kind of 3D sculpt in the air above the 3D scanner on my iPhone or something like that, you know? Right. Or uh, get a hollow lens and you're able to use augmented reality to, like, physically manipulate something in 3D. I, I don't know what the answer is. Or there's, there is, when that answer is discovered, it's going to dramatically change how we interact with these machines. So I think we both understand that the software is limiting. I mean, I think, I think CAD is in itself made for the people that have been using it for 10 years as well. Yeah. They, they, they tend to stick to a lot of user interface, user interaction paradigms that are kind of 
really difficult to use if you don't understand how they work. Yeah, it is made for kind of a professional. You know, there's also nothing in between kind of Tinkercad and, and Fusion 360 or something like that, you know? Uh, there's no intermediate steps. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think, yeah, we do, I agree with you completely on that. There's no solution. What are some other limitations do you think of using it in, in, in higher ed level education, like secondary? I mean, you have to obviously like avoid the Tinkercad trap still. Or yeah. if a teacher is not savvy enough, they won't not be aware that a student is just, you know, plagiarizing essentially by downloading someone else's files and then printing them. It's really, I think it's the time. I mean, if we yeah. if printers got faster, and, and they will, obviously, with time, but currently the current print speed and the stability of the printers, I think, are, are huge issues in the classroom that when something goes wrong, teachers get frustrated and their solution is to throw it in the closet. And then that's wasted resources that they could have spent on something else, or yeah. they weren't educated enough on how to use them properly, or they've determined through that education that it's it's too much of a pain, which is a limiting factor in them. You really need this passionate teacher that wants to use printers uh, and that yeah. understands them. So once that gets better, <laughs> I also think that what I one worry of me is the the increased kind of gamification of of the education. Everything is some kind of game, and everything is some fun, whatever math game and stuff like that. And like what you said before, everything involves an iPad, right? Yeah. Their the, the interaction with the world is through a touchscreen. I think that's very limiting. But looking at everything as a gamified kind of way, a math game, you know, those kind of things uh, is is also very very limiting. And I would be fearful if if a, if a 3D printer is just yeah like that. There's like something that's sat in a closet meant to activate someone's dream. Yeah, it is so. a very powerful tool. That, you know, if a student had some amazing concept for like a robot or something, I, I say that because I'm partial to robots, but if a student had a crazy concept for a robot and, you know, they were able to actually build it in CAD and then physically make it by printing it and so forth and so on, you know, they, that might lead to a career that they never would have thought of previously. But the minute that printer's not there and the software is not there or the opportunities aren't there, then that student may never even realize that that's a possibility that they could even look at, uh, especially on the high school level as you're thinking towards like college or trade school um, or whatever your potential future career might look like or careers. Yeah, I think I think just the idea is really important to me is not to be fearful of math and to have a bit of an understanding of what it is and a bit of understanding of design, a bit of understanding of manufacturing, you know? Yeah. So even if you're going to be like a, I don't know, an English major or something, at least you have that knowledge inside of you to better comprehend your world. You know, I know plenty of uh, people that got their undergrads in uh, English literature who then got masters in computer science because they realized that a language is a language. So um. that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. And well, talking about college, do you see it in, in college as being a very empowering tool, I think? I think in college, there's no question that's a hugely empowering tool. But I think colleges have the facilities and the resources um, at that point that they can take a full advantage of that, especially if you're looking at like an engineering school or something like that. And you have, you know, whole department, IT departments of larger scale that can deal with issues. So a teacher, an English teacher in a college setting can go over to the engineering department and say, hey, I wanted to do this kind of crazy thing can you lend me a grad student to help out with this project and they'll mm -hmm. probably be like yeah sure here here take chuck and uh, how do you see that working i mean i mean before everybody kind of seemed to assume that it would be like a 3d printer on every desktop or every student would have it in their dorm room or something uh that was like kind of the and now we're looking more kind of like these print farms right so there would be one uh, location in the 
in a college where there's 30 desktop machines. And, you know, the people that have been offering 3D printing to their students or have been doing that with, well, not with print farms or desktop machines, but rather with larger industrial machines. Do you have any idea about, you know, how that future is going to unfold? I think it'll be a mix. I mean, you're still going to have the same way you have a CNC machine in a workshop. I think you'll have a printer next to it and then a router and so forth and so on uh, in certain environments. If you're looking at just like a prototyping shop, that's one thing. If if it's a larger scale kind of thing, it also depends on the size of the university. But I think it's just like computers, right? We went, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were really, really big when we started with computers and then we went really, really small and now we're like distributed between the two because we have the internet plus everyone has a mobile phone and we still have these massive supercomputers and desktops and whatnot. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll see a mix of it, to be quite honest. And it will be... Place in the places it makes the most sense. So, when you need a server farm or a render or a printer farm, uh, the school will dedicate a room and put a hood over the whole room and do that. If it's just in a workshop, you know, it's already in a space where you have a lot of stuff going on and you know metalwork or whatnot. So then you can do it there. And some lab scenarios too. Obviously, these bio printers come into it as well. That's a whole other realm, obviously. So. Now for me, actually, for bioprinting and science stuff, engineering stuff, I really see the dedicated hackable kind of uh, desktop machine is to be the best, like the motion stage for that you can repurpose. I see that as being the most logical thing. And for the rest of the college, like all the other students and people just doing project work, I really do like the idea of the, the print farms just because the TCO is going to be lower, the, the cost per print is going to be much lower. Uh, then, then you know the material costs like twenty, thirty bucks a kilo or something uh, instead of a hundred or two hundred. So I do, I do think that that is going to be the deciding factor for for universities in adopting you know much more materials and then also much cheaper materials via desktop printers. Uh, and then if you're like you know a really cool university, then you're going to have a metal printer or something. You know these really big industrial Super systems. Super awesome, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's that's going to be locked behind some door or something, and only like the good grad students can get near it. You know. Um, so, and, and what you're feeling about, like, it's just going to be a thing because I, I facilitate between either on the one hand thinking like, oh my God, the future of education is, is 3d printing. You can tie everything together for everyone. And on the other hand, you know, it's just going to, it's going to be a toy. You know? I, I think it's in between the two. I, I don't think it's like everything under the sun, but I also don't think it's a toy. I think it's mm-hmm. a very powerful tool. And when used as a very powerful tool, it's fabulous. You know, for engineering and for science, it's an amazing tool. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think history and English classes, it's, it's more, it, it's still a tool, but I think it's not as needed as a tool for the humanities on some level. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 yeah, I really think it's a in-between, and I, I think it helps to change education, just like any technology, but I don't think it's going to, like, fundamentally alter the way that we educate each other. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, a centrist. Yeah, it's, it's, traditionally speaking, it's probably you know, the middle of the road is probably exactly. Uh, I really don't know. I really don't know. I mean, it, it really why, depends. Why do you, how... you waffle between the two? Uh, yeah, and it's like, what's you I'm see? Not... It as, yeah, why? Oh, I think on the one hand, you know, the iteration failing thing is really important psychologically. Uh, as is the the people of kinesthetic and experiential learning styles who in a lecture-based environment are, are, are absorbing like very little information. 
Uh, so giving them a memory and a, a thing to touch with as many subjects as possible seems like a good idea, especially if those things cost like you know 50 cents or a dollar or whatever. Uh, and you can reuse them next year, right? Um, you know, they're not just tossed away. So you know, in that sense, I'm really, I think, I find it really important. And we are going to a fully digitized world. Uh, you know, a world where where all the inputs will be code and all the outputs will be some kind of manufactured object or experience. You know, fundamentally, in the in a lot of countries, we have a problem in finding enough people to build our world for us. You know, so I don't see it as maybe a way to stimulate people. So that's me on my most, uh, you know, optimistic. I would find it really like a really key skill to understanding the future. And my most pessimistic, I always think of these like kind of like these math games, you know, you had to play on the Apple computers where you're like, you're playing hangman with a computer. And I'm like, uh, I could have done this with a piece of paper. What am I learning about computers apart from the fact that it's a screen, you know? Right. Or you're printing uh, Chotsky and it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little things and little throwaway things. Or, the, you know, the same thing that you guys, you know, I know how addicted kids are now to screens, like even really small kids. Yeah. Uh, my, 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 my favorite example is was I was in the, this is years ago even and I was in the Sistine Chapel as a kid glued to like a, a phone screen and the mom was like had his hand out of her hand behind his head and was guiding him through the crowd of people and the kid didn't even look up and he was in the Sistine Chapel right so not in the Vatican Museum right not in the waiting room no no in the actual room <laughs> right and he was not even looking at it and so, so I'm really weary of introducing any kind of interaction with screens. And because I also know from friends of mine who are all like, oh, we try to keep them away from them. But it's so tempting to just like give them an iPad and then, you know, they're, they're, they entertain themselves for an hour or whatever. So oh, yeah, it's a great way to distract them. But yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. we don't know what the effects are. And you look at uh, the fact that like most of the schools in like Silicon Valley are screenless. Oh, really? Yeah. So all these people that are making tons yeah. of money off of yeah. us overusing screens are insisting that their kids go to schools that don't have screens. <laughs> what does that tell us? <laughs> yeah, that's good, dude. So I think, I think, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm tempted to agree then on the negative side of things. This screenless thing means that you don't introduce it until very late in the process or, and that it maybe isn't as key a technology as, as, uh, as you would understand. Ah, but you could introduce the three-doodler. And have basically uh, similar effects without the screen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. Well, you and your three doodler. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's it's also interesting that, that I think there is a certain degree of play in three D printing for education. There's a certain yeah. freedom. Uh, I I did this one workshop or a couple times actually when, where I took a, a file uh, and then asked people to say, okay, customize this file uh, to to fit your head perfectly. And then they had it was a complete open assignment. So they had a completely open assignment trying to figure out, like, how do I scale it? What's the units in uh, the, was it 3D10 or something? What was the unit in this pro in this program? How do I figure out how big this thing is and how big do I make it, you know? And there's an open-endedness and a playfulness there that I really like. And then the, 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 the reason it, it was, like, a limited workshop was we were only able to print these things, like, a week later because the, <laughs> the printer's... Right, because it's so limited on the printer. But it is good. I mean, I think there is something to the... To generations, especially that grew up with computer systems, about exploring more, especially the willingness to explore on software and stuff. You know, click around and see what happens. Google it. Go try and find methods of finding the solution to your to your problem, rather than necessarily just being told how to do the problem. Because in the real world, it's not like we have a person telling us how to write our report. 
or how to interact with other people in the office. You have to learn these skills, and the sooner you learn them, the better you get at them. So it definitely has the advantages of if anything that's engaging and fun for kids without being, I don't know, I don't want to like belittle it too much, but like I do think like a math game is silly on some level because are they really learning or are they just faux learning? is a good thing to add to education but it has to create a desire to learn more i think i agree i like that very much a desire to learn more and also because that's why people get turned off of all these uh, stem type of subjects yeah i mean they think it's boring that they don't understand the why of it and they don't understand the there's no excitement for them we have to make it easier and more accessible and that comes back down to those those key issues actually currently with 3d printers their accessibility is quite it's quite low <laughs> in the grander scheme of things. You know, a dishwasher is easier to use. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. I mean, we're not there yet. I mean, right. I, think, I think we're not there yet. And also, yeah, I mentioned this before, but I really worry about the safety implications of just, yeah. just putting a printer there with, and then on one point, somebody will do TPU or, or some kind of material where, where, you know, there will be some, some fumes given off there that aren't a good idea. Some carbon fiber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no carbon nanotube stuff you know there, there, there's some stuff out there that's really risky so I, I do want there to be more of considerations of using these things in the proper way and also like for now there's no real training thing right is there like a book or is there like a, a, a place i can go to to learn how, how as a teacher to uh, get a printer in my classroom you know there are some i mean so in education they call it pd um it's a continuing education style thing and there are yeah suppliers and retailers and stuff like that who actually supply that kind of stuff to districts and to individuals you can do webinars and so there is lots of ways of doing it but it's not i i feel like it's a it's such a large topic (laughs) like how much can you really cover in an hour kind Mm -hmm. of thing um in terms of of trying to teach someone how to use like a printer and then they're always very specific to like a specific product right so mm-hmm. it, let's pretend it's MakerBot for a second they'd be telling you how to use the MakerBot which may not always translate to the other printers you know maybe it's got some different variation and then that can stumble a teacher when they go to a different school or they get a new printer and it's a different style and then they don't know how to use it so it's not that they're teaching fundamentals which is what mm-hmm. you're suggesting I agree with that but there are a whole bunch there's a whole industry out there to try and teach teachers new technology and new things all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, hope you enjoyed our podcast today. And uh, we really, uh, yeah, we welcome any feedback. Uh, so any kind of suggestions or ideas or things that we can improve, please do share those with us. And I uh, hope you enjoyed today. Uh, uh, my name is Joris Peels, and with me uh, is Maxwell Vogue. Always a pleasure, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys, and thanks for listening. And uh, please do spread the word, and, and, and do reach out to us if we can improve something for you. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.